app. If I don't go live on time, I start yelling at you and say, you got to go live. Otherwise, you'll lose your connection to Facebook. All right, guys, what's up? We are live. Uh, joined today with Aubrey Huff, a.k.a. Huff Daddy. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, buddy. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, Big thanks, for, uh, thanks for joining me. Um, this is going to be a little bit of a shorter show because we've uh, got some time constraints today. And uh, I actually got some issues on my desktop, so I'm doing this from my laptop today. So I'm hoping you guys can hear me good. Just give me a, a quick yes in the chat so I know because I'm not running multiple screens here. But uh, Aubrey is a um, – dude, I'm not even a baseball fan. Like I was well, when I was – You're little... from Canada, dude. Just... Well, we had the Blue Jays, and we saw the win, <laughs> you know, the World Series a couple times, and we went downtown and did the party and all that sort of stuff. But I lost interest in baseball when I was younger. So the series that I do here with uh, playing to win, like I'm more interested in the stories behind the differences between playing to win versus playing not to lose. And I know you talked to Rolo a number of weeks ago, and we chatted briefly on the phone after that when we connected kind of in the Twitter DMs. And you've added me a few times on Twitter as well. And you're, you're an interesting guy on Twitter. You've had an account that's grown very quickly too, huh? Yeah. it's uh, So I didn't have much of a Twitter account or social media presence whatsoever when I played. I didn't want the distraction, right? I feel like athletes today are too much uh, into, hey, look at me on social media kind of things. And it's a, it's a vast industry now and a big time moneymaker. So I get it now. I'm starting to learn how, how you can monetize a lot more on, on social media. And, uh, you know, a lot of my Twitter account, I mean, you've, you've read a lot of stuff. It's a lot of controversial stuff. Um, but 50% of it's satire. The other 50% is uh, a lot of it's me. So um, it's up to the follower to figure out which half is satire. And if they, if you don't get which part's satire, then you're pretty much a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is a good chunk of the population these days. Yeah, um, right. We got limited time. You reckon you got about 30 minutes before you got to run? Uh, I, no, I could probably do an hour. I could do 12, 30 is fine. Okay, cool. So just give me a heads up when you got to run. Yeah. Um, so I want to start with the whole baseball thing, right? Um, so you, so your team, the San Francisco Giants, you were the first baseman, was it? Yeah, I was first base, right field. Okay, and um, you guys took the World Series a couple of years. Was it was it back to back, or was it over a number of no, years? No, um, I was there from 2010 to 12, and we won 2010. We missed the playoffs in 11. And we won it in 2012, and then I retired. But they won it again in 2014. So three out of the five years, I got three rings. Cool, cool. Um, What's that like when you're when you're playing to win like a World Series event? You like, know, what man, kind I, of buzz goes on behind the scenes because everybody watches you on TV and they got your cards and they have your little yeah. icon when they're playing PlayStation. You know, it's funny because I'm not a sport guy. I don't watch team sports ever. I was talking to my brother on the weekend. I'm like, do you know a guy by the name of Aubrey Huff? He's like, yeah, he played for Tampa and he won the World Series. He was one of my favorite players when I was on the PlayStation. I'm like, oh, cool, man. I'm doing an interview with him on uh, <laughs> Thursday this week. Oh, uh, guess what? I play fantasy baseball too, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was that all like for you, man? Like, you know, like um, all the behind the scenes stuff, because that's because that's a serious win. Like, that's got to be a huge high, right? Oh man, I got to tell you, I mean, when you're a kid, that's you, you dream of being a major league baseball player, and and uh, you don't really think about the money and the fame and all that stuff, and you dream about getting to a World Series and being the hero. And and I remember going to Texas. We were playing the Rangers in 2010. Ironically enough, that's where I grew up as a kid in the ballpark in Arlington, watching the Texas Rangers. I was a diehard Texas Rangers fan. And uh, so ironically, we're playing them in the World Series. And in game three, um, I hit a two-run home run to win the game in Arlington, the stadium I grew up in. Um, two nights later on Halloween night, we won the we won the World Series in Arlington in the same stadium. And 
when that last pitch was thrown by Brian Wilson and, and uh, Nelson Cruz struck out, it was like, it's, you can't explain it. It's like a dream, right? You don't even feel like it's real. And you're throwing your, I, I don't even remember throwing my glove up in the air. I don't really remember too much of the dog pile. And I don't really remember much until you're in the locker room and you're spraying champagne. And the high is just unlike any high you could ever get. There's no, there is no other thing on this planet that can get you that kind of that that kind of uh, excitement. There's just you can't replace it. Euphoria, right? Yeah, just a- absolute euphoria. Uh, but the interesting part is, Rich. The next day, you know, I woke up. This was my tenth year in the big leagues when I won it, and I'd been on dead last place teams up until then, and I never made the playoffs up until 2010, and we win the World Series. The next morning, I wake up to uh, my now ex-wife, and I remember kind of like waking up and obviously fucking hung over, <laughs> but it was really depressing because I was like, huh, now what? You know, you just I just accomplished everything I ever wanted in my life. I had all the toys and all the money in the world of World Series ring. I was like, yeah, now what do I do? I'm 38 years old and I just accomplished everything I ever wanted. So it was kind of a weird feeling. They, they, um, you know, they talk about this notion of the wall that the um, men's community has kind of adapted and used to describe when women start to lose their level of attractiveness on the sexual marketplace. And I think the term was coined from baseball initially when, um, like, a pitcher kind of hits the wall and his arms really no good anymore, and they got to retire him. Um, is that something that came up during your career, like when a player would hit the wall and they were no longer able to, you know? Uh, like be the first run uh, pitcher or, you know, perform certain tasks. Like, is that something that would ever come up? Well, I mean, yeah, every player has a, has a expiration date on it. I mean, if you're lucky, if you can, you're lucky to make the big leagues period. So the, the odds against you making it's just, it's astronomical, but to be able to play 10 years and to win a world series, if you could play 10 years, 20 years, I mean, you're, you're amongst just the smallest percentages that ever live on this earth. And, um, but we all have, we all have that uh, expiration date and, you know, it's hard. It's a hard transition. It really was um, for two years there. You, you know, I went through a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression. And, and I think a lot of it, Rich, is, which is what you and Rolo touch on a lot, is uh, that lack of manliness. Right. I felt mm-hmm. like when I got out of baseball, I was the leader of the teams. I was a, one of those guys that, in the clubhouse that kept it loose and fun. You're around 24 other guys all the time. It's an alpha male community, just a bunch of killers in the locker room. And you go to war with these guys every day. <clears throat> and you joke around. You're having fun in the locker room. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then that stops. All of a sudden, that stops. You get out into the real world, and everybody's in suits and ties, and they're all proper, and they don't know how to joke around. And I try and bring that same guy that I was in the clubhouse into the real world, and it's offensive to people. And then all of a sudden, okay, well, now I'm a, okay. Well, now I'm just a regular husband and a father now. So I'll just, I'll just tone it down and be that guy, be that guy who I've, that I'm supposed to be. The world says I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And so I did, I silenced myself and I became somebody I'm, I'm not. And then I started having an absolute miserable depression. And I think through that time, um, even my ex-wife could sense that I was kind of, I was turning into like what you would call a beta male, mm-hmm. right? where I was going every day, I was taking my kids to school, picking them up, there's nothing wrong with that, but I had no passion, no purpose. I'd come home every day, clean the house, fold the di- clean the dishes, fold the laundry, go to Whole Foods, cook dinner. I was doing pretty much all the all the chick work, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yeah, and, then, and I just felt like a caged lion. 
and it was probably the worst two years of my life and, and it should have been the happiest. And um, it was in that time that I really felt like that's when my relationship in my marriage, I started feeling like starting to separate because I didn't feel like a man and I felt like she was the one with the pants in the family. And so <clears throat> I look back that, at that now, that's why I find your work and role is so fascinating because I don't want this, I don't want guys to do the same mistake that I did just because you get out of a sport or you get out of, or uh, you're in a business or whatever, you come home, you still got to be the man. A woman mm -hmm. can sense that. And I feel like that's what happened in my marriage. Let me ask you this. A lot of guys find Rolo's book, for example, as a result of trauma. And somebody will say, oh, dude, you got to read this book. Or they'll send them to my channel to watch a video or maybe even like a, a playlist or something. Um, was it was it trauma that, that um, sent you to this sort of stuff? Or like, how did you come across the sort of conversations that we end up having? Well, you know, I, I don't, I can't even remember really how I found your, uh, I think I'm, I, I found Rolo's book first. And I was in one of those places where, um, you know, I was going through, I was actually right before I got divorced. I think I found his book. I, I was doing a lot of personal development reading, you know, those Tony Robbins things and all that, all that stuff. And I think that's a dangerous world you can get into because you start reading too much of that shit and then you feel like you're lacking already and you just, you don't ever do anything. All you do is continue to read book after book after book, but you're not doing fucking shit with your life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're not doing it and reading it, it's, it's worthless. But then I, I somehow, I guess in a search, I saw the rational male and, um, and at that time I wasn't feeling very manly. Right. So I was looking for anything on confidence, how to find your confidence, all these things. And I saw that book. And as soon as I read like uh, some of the reviews, I'm like, oh, shit, this sounds exactly like what I might need. Mm. And within the first two two chapters, I was like, what? I was hooked. <laughs> yeah, I was hooked. Yeah, I always tell them it's like drinking from the fire hose, man. You got to go through it a couple of times. It's so yeah. dense. Give me just one sec. I got to flip a switch. I'm not getting power to my laptop. Hold on. Mm -hmm. There we go. I don't want that battery to conk out while we're in the middle of this thing. Epic conversation yeah. we're about to have here, man. So um, back to the locker room stuff. So you're the fun guy in the locker room, right? You know, you joke around with your boys. You know, you try to do that today in the real world. Um, has that changed at all with locker room talk with sports teams? Like, are they still able to horse around and, you know, have be, be men in a locker room? Or is that changing now? Well, um, I don't know for a fact. I haven't been in too many locker rooms as of late. Um, but I mean, just take, for example, I know some of the people over the last few years I've talked to with the San Francisco Giants, I've talked to several media members and uh, they'll tell me like, Aubrey, my gosh, the clubhouse vibe since you guys have left in 2010 through 12, that whole crew, you guys, that fun, loving, exciting, fun crowd of guys that drink beers and have fun and have each other's backs go out and party. Those guys are gone. All we have now is guys checking their Twitter feeds and sitting inside and playing on their iPads and not talking to anybody in the locker room. They get there as soon as they can, or get, they get there as late as they can for the game, and they leave as quick as they can when it's finished. No bonding, no nothing. I'm like, really? And uh, I, I found that kind of crazy. And, and now, you know, obviously, I'm sure you've heard. I, you might not since you don't follow too much sports. but No, uh, I've heard what's going on. Like, I want to hit on this in a minute, too. Yeah, right? yeah. the Giants hired a, their first female coach. Yeah. So that'll be an interesting dynamic in the clubhouse, too. And I remember in 2010 um, – I would. Is she the head coach or does she coach? No, like no, no. She's like uh, assistant kind of coach. I'm not sure even what her role is, but she's on the staff. Okay. Um, in 2010, I to kind of 
loosen up the clubhouse before the playoff run. I was wearing a, a red rally thong, I would call it, just walking around the clubhouse, just in a thong. And I got in trouble because uh, uh, the, the the media had complained, the female media, that I was running around naked too much in the clubhouse. I'm like, well, shit, it's the man's clubhouse. It's the clubhouse for the baseball players. If you don't like it, you don't have to be in there. Mm-hmm. And now you got now you're gonna have a, a girl on the staff, and so it's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out. And this is just the beginning, Rich. It's gonna it's gonna go it's gonna go all over the country. You, you watch in the next ten years, there's gonna be women coaches in every sport. I did now, a video a couple of years ago about the pussification of the Western male, mm-hmm. and it sounds like it's starting to infiltrate major league sports teams now. Like even in the locker room, you can't you can't be a guy anymore. Right. It's, it's, uh, there's a female coach with the San Francisco Giants or uh, San Francisco 49ers, yeah. ironically enough. So it's bo- both of them are in San Francisco, the most woke city in, the, in America. <laughs> How very progressive of them. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, equal work, equal pay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, you've been, you've been the, uh, the focus of some interesting shit lately on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a, a 10 year reunion for your team. You're expecting to go. And then you were conveniently uninvited. I think it was like, what yeah. happened there? Yeah. So I was, uh, I was just working out one day. I was in the gym and endorphins flying. I having a great, I think it was a Monday morning about three yeah. weeks ago. And I got a call from Larry bear. He's our uh, CEO of the giants. And I've had a great relationship with him over the years. And uh, you know, I, I was curious to see his call. I haven't heard from him in a few years. And, uh, I was like, hey, because I was expecting, okay, it's Larry. Hey, he's going to invite me to the 10-year reunion. We all knew it was coming. We just didn't know when. So I'm thinking, oh, here's the invite. Pick it up and say hi. And we kind of chit-chat, get to see how everybody's doing, checking in on families. And he says to me, uh, so, Aubrey, I hate to say this, but, you know, the board is a unanimous decision not to invite you to the 2010 World Series reunion. Mm-hmm. And, Rich, I got to tell you, I, was, I thought he was joking, so I kind of chuckled and and you got to remember, in 2010, I was seventh in the league in MVP voting. I led that team in everything offensively. There is no reunion without me in the middle of the lineup. Now, there's a lot of – we had fantastic pitching, and we had great pieces throughout the lineup. But, you know, I think the contribution I had throughout the year, full season, you know, speaks for itself. And um, I basically told him that on the phone. And he goes, yeah, I know. That's what makes this so hard. And I said, well, can I ask you why I am not invited? And he said, well – you know, the board, my hands are tied and they really, it's, it's your Twitter account, Aubrey. It's just too controversial and we just don't, uh, you know, we can't, get, we can't stand behind. I'm like, well, what tweet? And he goes, well, the real, I don't know. It's just, they just, just don't like your Twitter. I'm like, okay, hold on, hold on. Is it more than that? Is it more than that? Okay, Larry, is it uh, maybe possibly because I support President Trump? And there was kind of an awkward pause and he was like, uh, well, you know, that may be some of it, but mostly the, the consensus is it's your entire Twitter, which my, a lot of my Twitter is a half of it's probably support of president Trump. So, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't really go out and say it. He was very vague, but I know that's what it was. Hmm. So what's so controversial about your Twitter? I mean, I've seen you at me a few times over the last number of months on, on posts or links or ideas. Well, I followed you and I kind of looked through it and it's like, I don't know. It just seems like you're an average American that's patriotic yeah. that wants yeah, to support I'm... the president. You kind of poke fun and you joke around. Yeah. Um, I saw the other day that you were in Twitter jail for a week. What did they block your account for? Oh, because I had uh, mentioned uh, shooting Antifa in the kneecaps. Somebody's going to shoot Antifa in the kneecaps for attacking innocent civilians on the street. Oh. And I said, it's bound to happen one day. And then they said, oh, 
Okay. So that I was gone for seven days, but yeah, my Twitter account, I've had a couple of viral Twitter feeds over the last six months. One was, uh, when I took my kids to the gun range, um, and we're shooting guns at the target and, and I tweeted, you know, I'm teaching my kids to effectively use uh, a gun mm-hmm. in the unlikely event that Bernie Sanders becomes president, in which case <laughs> we will need to learn to use guns safely in case socialism comes to America. Yeah. And so that was a big, that was a big deal. Um, and then another one was, uh, I made a tweet about going to Iran and kidnapping all the hot Iranian women. Yeah. <laughs> because, I, I saw that one. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, I will say this, that was a bad choice of words, the kidnapping part. I meant to like say rescue to bring him over here and to get away from all that shit show over there. Um, but yeah, that didn't go over well. But this is the kind of humor that a lot of us, not just me, a lot of athletes have in the locker room. I just took it from the locker room onto my Twitter account. So there we go. I got a question there from Rollo. He's in the chat. He said, uh, oh, ask about yeah. the exchanges with Kathy Griffin. <laughs> You didn't see that one, huh? No, I haven't so, seen that one. Yeah, so, there, so that was the Twitter post with the uh, the guns with my boys. Okay. And uh, Kathy Griffin retweeted my tweet of that and had a finger pointing down at my tweet that said, this idiot here from Kathy Griffin. I'm like, uh-huh. what the fuck? Really? <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, okay. And I, and I responded to something that, along the lines of a picture of her with the Donald Trump head with a knife. Remember when she did that? Oh, one? yeah, 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 yeah. And I said, hypocritical much? Right back at her. So, you know, um, it's okay for me. Or it's, it, it, was, it was crazy that she thinks me taking my kids to the gun range is a bad thing, but it's perfectly fine holding up a, a, a head that looks murdered with a knife that she cut off. Yeah. You know, it's like. And it's not I, just any head. I mean, it's the head of, well, it looks like the president of the United States, right? Right, right. Right. It was a dummy, obviously. But, yeah. I mean, two dummies in one picture. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> huh. Yeah. Um, did you see any of this like nonsense coming? Like you play baseball. I mean, you're a professional athlete. I know that you, when you're talking to role, like your like your underlying uh thing, like your kind of uh passions really being an artist and you you know, your stick figure art and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, is this a surprise to you? You're kind of like, really? Like this is where we're at today? Because well, it's, guys- abs- it's absolutely a surprise. I mean, it's I grew up in Texas. Right in the Dallas Worth area, and yeah. you know, I was around a bunch of like just dudes, man, beer drinking, gun toting, hunting guys, and you know, they were everywhere. And and it seemed to be, you know, I was raised by my grandpa basically and my grandma growing up. Uh, my dad was murdered when I was six years old, so my mom was a you know, full time worker to raise me and my sister. Well, what happened but, to your pops? So he was a uh, an electrician at an apartment complex uh, full time, and and he was getting off work one day at uh, around four o'clock. He was checking out, and over at the apartment lobby complex there, the, at the office manager's desk, this guy was just yelling away at this poor lady. And my dad walks up to another worker. He's like, "What's going on over there?" And the lady was like, "That's her uh, husband. I think they're getting a divorce, and he's all pissed off. I, they're having a big argument." And my dad's like, okay, I'll go take care of it. So he walks over there, tries to defuse the situation. The guy's pissed off. And he like turns to my dad and basically says, get the fuck out of my face. And my dad's like, dude, just calm down, calm down. And the guy yanks the gun out, points it right at him. And the lady that he was yelling at starts screaming. He points the gun right at her, bam, shoots you right in the head, right then and there. My dad jumps out and tackles him. The gun goes flying on the floor, right? The lady that was talking to him earlier comes running over to try and help. And the, the 
the killer gets the gun and starts to point it at her. My dad pushes her out of the way. He misses her with a shot. My dad gets shot in the hip. He comes, now he's like injured, trying to limp his way out of the door, front door. The, the, the killer comes up right behind him and shoots him right in the back of the head. Cold blood, boom. The lady that he pushed out of the way survived as he ran off and told the whole story how it happened. So he got caught around the block, about two blocks away by an off-duty cop, and he's serving life in prison. Let me ask you this question, because, um, you know, like you own guns, you're taking your kids to the gun range, you know, they're shooting it up. But, I mean, there's a, you know, there's a big chunk of the demographic in the U.S. that's like, let's take all the guns away from everybody because they create problems like this, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, um, I'm assuming the guy, if he's had you know, if he's got a firearm in Texas and it's a handgun, he's, it's probably licensed, right? Like he didn't, it's not like, a, it doesn't have to be, but it most likely black market deal. Um, yeah. well, here's my, here's my whole theory on that. Like if anybody was anti-gun on the planet, it should be me. And yeah. I'm not, yeah. I can get, my dad knew how to shoot a gun. He just didn't have one on him that day. Yeah. Uh, I guarantee if he had one, he's still with us today. Because, yeah. Rich, no matter what happens, bad guys are going to get guns. You can outlaw them all day. Bad yeah. guys are always going to have guns. Just like that Texas shooting at that church the other day, uh, like a few months ago. Yeah. Um, that's right by where I grew up. I mean, that is literally, I would drive by that church every day on the way to school, high school every day. And um, if that if that guy didn't have a gun, that, that guy could have shot that entire church. Yeah. No, no, I, yeah, I saw that clip. I mean, they're... Like they're pretty tight with firearms here. I mean, I've I've got four myself, but um, you know, the Trudeau government's talking about basically uh, taking away the handguns from everybody, and and that's probably going to you know pour into other areas as well. But yeah. that's something that they're always yapping on about, and um, you know, we don't have it in the constitution here. So um, one of the things I learned from the hunting course when I took it was just you know you need to make sure that you're really nice to liberal people because <laughs> you know they make the rules when it comes to this stuff. Yeah. Um, all right. So, um, so sorry, I mean, like you're saying you're growing up with your grandparents, um, and Texas, very conservative sort of thing, like upbringing. You never saw this stuff coming where it's like, everybody's going to be so sensitive about the most basic stuff now. Right? No, no. And I don't even know. I can't even pinpoint where it started. Like it just seems to, I didn't notice this even when I played baseball, it may be because I was always in the clubhouse and you know, I was sheltered from all that outside world and we keep kind of a small bubble in the baseball world. We don't let a lot of people in. Mm. Um, so, but yeah, since I, when I got out of baseball, obviously I was struggling a little bit with depression, anxiety for a few years. So I was just really kind of a recluse. And when I came out of it, I started really noticing it. I don't know when it happened. I don't know if it's been around forever, but it seems to be really, really bad now that, you know, this big political divide that we have now in America, especially, um, you know, the, the whole left and right and conservative and liberal thing. I don't know how it happened. Um, to be quite honest with you, I don't really care. All I know is I'm trying to fight it. And it's just I, one of my biggest passions is trying to fight the politically correct crowd. I can't stand it. Mm. Yeah, it's going to run you into problems, especially if you want to get invited to public reunions. Um, you know, because you're, I mean, you're a public figure to some degree, right? So, some degree, yeah. It yeah. seems like if anybody's going to be offensive, they're going to remove your opportunity to to speak or have an audience or a presence on a platform if they can to try to mute you, which is just so bizarre to me because it's because it's completely against you know the opportunity to have freedom of speech. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and. You know, I got to be honest with you. I, I tell, uh, I've been telling people this on these interviews the last few days since this stories came out that 
I would rather, I would never sell out my beliefs, my values, my faith in God and all these things for, for one second to go out there and get a, a five second validation hat tip for something I did 10 years ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've got all the memories I need right here. I got all the friends that they, that text me on this thing and call me over the last couple of days that on my team, my core guys that I hung out with, I, we all know who they are. The media knows who they are. Um, a lot of the staff that was on that team reached out to me, so they are all support. Um, you can't take that away from me. And it's, I got my two rings, and I know what I did, and I know what the fans know. What I did. And that, the funny thing is, Rich, is that uh, the Giants thinking that they're woke and progressive and taking away the First Amendment right for me to tweet and support who I want. What they don't realize is how many people on my Twitter account, my Facebook messages, my private messages on Instagram, just how many conservative followers there are for the Giants. Mm -hmm. tons of them. I've gotten thousands of conservative Giants fans saying, I'm going to watch the game, not going to buy a ticket. And I'm like, hey, I didn't even know there was that many conservative Giants fans. It's been pretty amazing to see. Yeah, I mean, I suspect that following a, a, a top-shelf sports team or an athlete or, um, you know, like anything in that realm is mostly going to have an audience of conservative um more masculine males, although they're harder to come by these days. Um, so there's got to like, like there's got to be a, a good chunk of the demographic that's like, what the hell? What, right, right. I mean, if you, it's it's kind of funny how you know you look at what a, a real man is, right? You guys write about that and talk about that all the time, and and uh, you're right. Typically, the ath the 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 manly man is a, a sports guy. He's at the games, you know. He's with his buddies. He's hanging out. You hardly ever see the tight pants wearing man bun guy at the baseball game. You know what I mean? You yeah. just don't really see it. They're not typically your hardcore fans for sure. But that's a lot of what San Francisco Giants male base is. There's a lot of those kind of guys. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um, <laughs> so playing to win kind of ended for you with baseball when you're around what, like 38, 39, you said? I was 37. Yep. 37. 37. Okay. And you're what, 40? 43 now. 43. So you're in a different phase of your life right now. Like I always talk to guys when they're younger and I'm, and I always tell them, look, dudes, if you're under 30, you got to play to win. You know, yeah. you can, you can afford to fall down, wipe out, break a bone, cry, you know, lose a hundred grand. Like you can afford to do all that when you're in your twenties. Cause you got a lot of runway ahead of you to kind of repair and fix that and make up lost ground. Um, I think I saw a tweet from you at one point where, uh, I don't know. There was some harpy coming at you and you're like, look, sweetheart, you know, I'm tall Jack and I got 25 million back off sort of thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like you're in your forties now, you're kind of a top shelf guy. You're definitely in the 1% as far as, um, the male population and, um, what women are going to be drawn to. Um, what's your strategy now in your forties? Like, are you playing more not to lose? Like what's no, your approach to life today? For me today. I mean, I, I have a brain that doesn't like to shut off. It's always trying to grind, always trying to win. Um, you know, my buddy's like, dude, why can't you just relax? And I'd be at the golf course every day, bro. You know, and I'm like, I, that's not how I'm wired. You know, I just I'm don't. Boring. Yeah, I hate golf. I hate, I, I like to go out and see what I can accomplish. I mean, I'm not dead. Yeah. You know, and they, I think there's this stat out there. It's within five years, like 80% of people die after they retire. You know, within mm -hmm. five years, I'm like, holy shit, I can certainly see that. Because the five years after I retired, I almost felt dead. And there was times I wanted to kill myself because it was that passionless. So now, you know, now I'm, I'm, I'm relaunching this podcast going on. And um, I'm, I'm kind of 
I think I've, I'm seeing myself inch my way into this little political sphere, conservative mm -hmm. political sphere. And that's a really fascinating thing. I'm going to the uh, Donald Trump rally tomorrow in Vegas, which will be a, a good time and meeting some of his people um, uh, going on Waters World with Jesse Waters tomorrow. Um, been on some Fox stuff this, this week with this whole story. But, you know, what's funny is like out of this whole situation, when you see people go through negative situations all the time, tragedy, what have you bad markets, what have you, when it's a bad market, I say that's a time to buy because that's how you, that's how you make money. Like in a situation that's bad, turn it to your good, turn it to good. I could very easily say with this whole giant si situation, be like, oh man, poor me. Well, why not take advantage of this opportunity to do something that's great, you know? So that's kind of how I look at it and that's what I'm doing. Um, when did you get divorced? It was just around the time you guys were at your peak or was it after your career ended or? No, it was 2006. 17 we decided to divorce and we got finalized in 18. okay so that's a couple years ago and what's life like now i mean you know base, baseball career is over marriage is over you got a couple of younger kids yeah the first year after divorce was kind of hard i think the best thing i did after i got divorced and i'm sure a lot of your crowd would love to hear this i'm sure a lot of guys that are divorced follow you and rollo and um i know i did uh the best thing i ever did and i didn't really know why i did this but i just took six months to myself I didn't date, I didn't drink, I didn't do anything. All I did was get on a, a unbelievable diet, work out every day and just kind of just swore off women and just got to got to love me again, right? Cuz it took cuz I felt like I'd lost myself for the longest time. Mm -hmm. And um I got to tell you, bro, it was the best thing I ever did. I lost like 30 pounds, got jacked. And then when I went back out there into the dating market, I was I looked good, I felt good, I, and it was just like I don't know, man. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it was hard to let's just say it wasn't hard to find dates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. It's harder yeah. for some guys for sure. You're you're in your early forties. Um how long were you married for? Thirteen years. So thirteen years. Okay. So you're so you're released upon this new world as a single I'm sorry, guy. Eleven years. Thirteen years was my baseball career. Eleven years married. Eleven years married. Okay. So here you are. Aubrey is released upon the world. Single dude. Where do you live, by the way? Is it LA or San Diego? Or Yeah, I'm down in San Diego. Okay, so San Diego. So you're in San Diego. So what's that like for you on the dating market? Like, what are you seeing these days um, that might have been different, you know, prior to your marriage? Like, what's that um, like? A lot of women asking for dick pics. <laughs> 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 and that's just, I'm like, that's out of question, sweetheart. That ain't happening. Uh, but that's mostly, that's mostly the younger crowd, man. I got to tell you, I, I found it interesting. The younger girls, Although beautiful and and pretty, they're all about this. The you know the oh, yeah. is, I, if if I go on dates now, I have to have their Instagram and check and see if they're selfieing too much. Oh, if yeah. they selfie too much, I'm fucking out. Yeah. I don't care who they are. Um, so and then and they just seem to be so into themselves and so about. Uh, they're so insecure and I don't know, man. I just wasn't into the younger girl crowd. And then you know you got the ladies around my age are a little older that have been divorced and they seem to be pretty broken up and bitter and have their own issues. And the girls that seem to be like good to date are the ones married that are on the thirties, 32. So it's, it's, it's a strange place to be. So, um, I'm still trying to, I'm, I'm not saying I'm looking for love or anything. I'm not, I'm, I'm enjoying just being a dad and, and, uh, growing my second career here. And, you know, if the right woman comes along, great. I'm certainly not looking for it, but I'm just having fun while I can. 
Cool. And what about uh, liberal women? Do you ever date those? I mean, you're in well, California, so there's loads of them, right? There, it's it's almost impossible not to date one every now and then. Like I've I've ran into a few. Um, and I got to be honest with you, I won't. I don't think I'd ever like really get serious with one, but we can have fun for sure. Like I don't really hold that against somebody. But if it's if it was something long term, and it depends on how hardcore they are. Like mm -hmm. if they're just liberal and they vote, you know, Democrat, and they don't really talk about, it, don't care, and it's not a big part of their life, whatever. But if they're like a radical leftist feminist crazy person, mm -hmm. uh, uh, no shot, no shot. There was um, there was an audio clip of a radio interview I think you did on Twitter. Um, the guy was uh, grinding your gears over a, a joke you cracked over, um, the female coach for the team that you prior paid uh, played for, and I think you said something about um, you know just female nature, you know, being somewhat emotional or something like that. And you just kind of flew off the hand. You're like, dude, this is how I talk. This is me. If you don't want me here, then why are we having this conversation? Yeah. Um, are you running into the, to that a lot these days when you're talking to many people? Oh, that, yeah, that was a radio show that you were talking about. That happened recently. That was a couple of days ago. Yeah. I was on 95.7 The Game, and that was a, a radio station. If, um, they they uh, follow the Giants, the Oakland A's up there, and they invited me on. You know, they wanted to have me on and talk about the situation. So I, you know, sure, let's do it. And uh, the guy, we were having a civil conversation for a while. And it seemed like he kept wanting me to apologize for my tweets. He was kept, <laughs> yeah, he wanted me to keep, do you feel remorseful? I'm like, no, not really. And, and you know, and he's like, do you don't find this kind of offensive to people? I'm like, well, if it is, it's, well, that's their problem, not mine. You know, kind of that situation, right? And as he kept trying and trying, he, that's his whole thing. It felt like a publicity stunt to me because he was trying to get me to apologize. I just wouldn't do it. And then when he realized I wasn't going to apologize, he just started fucking flying off the handles like, this is why the San Francisco Giants don't want you. At the, the, your, your behavior is reprehensible, right? Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> and, I'm like, and he's like, and I'm trying. I'm going, dude, you mad, bro? You don't even lift, do you? Yeah, I, I, yeah, just and he's like, Oh, that's a, and then he hangs up on me, just hangs up on me. I had never heard of a radio station host hanging up on a guest that they invited on. Wow. It, it was, it was absolutely ridiculous. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. Wow. Dude, and, and that to me, those are the people I'm going to war with. I love to trigger those people when you can make them that upset. Like it's he, so easy to though. He, he thought that I was all worked up. I was I was loving when he hung up on me. I shit you not, Rich. I was dying laughing. Wow. I was like, oh god. I still put a smile to my face. Wow, <laughs> it's you know, it's almost like it's gotten to the point where you get a call for an interview or a or a commentary piece. You might as well run your own camera on the side just to capture it when they freak out, so you can make sure yeah. they don't you know cut up the edit too badly and ruin you. Wow. Yeah, um, sure. I, I can't wait to get my podcast going on again. I want to get that guy on my show, like live. No, that's crazy. That's yeah. that's like something you definitely have to do. I mean, you're you're at the point that a lot of guys don't have the flexibility to get to because a lot of guys want to have a platform or talk about the conversations that you really want to get into. And there's anti fragility, which is very difficult to get to. Right? Um, I don't know if you read that book. No. Great book, uh, Anti Fragile, Nicholas Talim. I don't know. I keep you know pronounce his name wrong, but um, the general concept is there's uh, fragile and there's well, well there's fragile, robust, and anti fragile. And fragile, you know, you put a glass in a, a box and you drop it, it's going to break. That's why they put fragile on it. Uh, robust is you can put something in the uh, box and it's and it's 
like nothing's going to happen, like a bag of sand, for example. And anti-fragile just gets stronger as um, it takes uh, trauma over time. Mm -hmm. And not a lot of guys can get to a point where they're anti-fragile, where they actually become better, they become stronger, they have an opportunity to exercise that because the outrage mob that gets so like rubbed the wrong way by basic shit. Like, dude, I can put a tweet out that says something like, how to be a feminine woman in 2020. Know how to cook. Yeah, Have yeah. long hair. Do your makeup. Don't get obese. Like, just basic shit that, like, a typical grandmother would have told their, you know, grandchild in the 50s or 60s or 70s or even as recently as, like, you know, 15 or 20 years ago. But today it's offensive, right? Like, they lose their mind. Right. So you've actually got yourself in a position where you're, practically anti-fragile. I mean, you got all the money from your career. You got your mm -hmm. shit sorted. You don't need to answer anybody. You can laugh at them if you want yeah, to. I don't have a fucking job. Yeah. I work for myself. You know, I'm, I'm making money off online. I'm making money off my social media. And I'm about to start making money off my podcast. I don't answer to nobody. You know, I, I have I have the most basic things in the world that I love. I love my God. I love my kids. And I love my family, right? Um, and I don't have to answer anybody. And I've had tragedy in my life that I've overcome with the murder of my father, growing up without a father, how to become a man basically just on my own. Um, I got to the big leagues by just pure fucking balls alone, really. I had no uh, fatherly figure to show me how to do it. I was just me grinding away my whole life to do it. Um, and, uh, you know, went through anxiety, depression, addiction. I was suicidal at a time. You know, I've got, got divorced. I mean, you, there's let's, a lot of shit thrown at me. Yeah, let's cover a little bit of that because um, a lot of guys go through the same sort of stuff that you're talking about. They're probably mm -hmm. thinking, well, what the hell? The dude won the World Series a couple of times. He's got 25 mil. He's jacked. He's tall. He's got everything everybody could possibly want. Why is he talking about suicide? Why is he talking about depression and stuff like that, right? So what did you go through that led you to, you know, conversations in your head about doing something in your life? Well, I just, you know, you get out of baseball, like I said earlier, and you, you lose that, that, that identity, that passion uh, every day, that purpose. You wake up and you have something to do. There's something important, right? I feel like if you don't have a, a purpose as a man, some kind of something to go to and fight for every day, you're fucking worthless. Yeah. And I had that in baseball, right? Doing, doing something you love that you want, ever want to do as a kid. And then like that, it's taken away from you. And you think you're going to right off in the sunset, be happy with all the money in the world, never do anything again. But you're so used to grinding. I mean, we're warriors out there, man. All of us and every athlete, they'll never tell you. Some some may never tell you, but they all go through it. It just how, how long they'll go through it when they retire. There's a, there's a transition period where you're depressed off your ass. Mm. And uh, mine lasted for a couple of years where to the point where I was so depressed that I would like cry myself to sleep at night. The only way I could fall asleep. And then I started getting anxiety out of nowhere, really. It just started happening. And I would have daily panic attacks during the day um, and then nightly depression. It was just a just knew it was coming daily. That's how I lived for almost two years. And I remember cutting uh, cutting vegetables up on the kitchen counter. My wife was cooking in 2000. It was probably 2014. And uh, she was cooking. I had my boys playing Legos on the living room floor in this 10,000 square foot gated community house in San Diego. I had all the toys, money in the world, beautiful life, everything. Two World Series rings. And I'm thinking, shit, I'm cutting this. Thing. I'm having my heart starts racing again. Here comes my anxiety attack again. And I'm like, fuck, man. And I was like, all right, honey, I, I got to go. She's a panic attack again. I'm like, yeah. So I go to my closet and, you know, I was like, 
brought my Xanax with me. I was, I was going to pop it and I'm like, fuck this. I'm tired of taking this shit. So I just kind of tossed it. And I, and I was like, you know what? I'm over this shit. I'm so over it. I was wearing a wife beater at a time, mm-hmm. had a shaved head, not as shaved as yours, but a little bit of hair. Mm-hmm. No offense. And uh, I had the tattooed, <laughs> I got the tatted up sleeves right and um, goatee. And I, I looked like a hard ass, but I was just fucking, oh, I was terrified. I don't know why. And, and I just looked at my safe up there in the closet. I'm looking at this full length mirror. I typed the code in. I grabbed my gun and I pulled the hammer back. It's ready to blow my brains out right then and there on my knees. And there was this moment of like something just caught me. I was looking at the gun in my hand in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And it was the same caliber 357 weapon that killed my dad when I was six. Mm. And I'm like, ooh. So that got me, man. I'm like, so- ah. So 2014, you're still playing ball, though, right? Like, you're still top of your game. Why did you no, get this from 2014? 2012, I retired. Oh, 2012, you retired. Okay, no. so 2014, this is after the retirement. Mm-hmm. 2017 was a divorce. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that, man. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we talk about burden of performance a lot when it comes to men and masculinity and, you know, our obligations to ourselves in the world and really trying to become the best versions of ourselves. And a lot of guys never really ever get there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it sounds like you... You know, you got there a couple times, you know, top shelf guy, uh, you know, great family, loads of money, uh, spoiled for choice. You can do pretty much anything you want. And it's like, well, what's next? And, you know, we see this from time to time with with lots of people. And we've, uh, I mean, how many musicians, uh, actors, artists have, have blown their brains out at some point in their life, you know, at the top of their game or near the top of their game? And, um, you know, as a part of, part of guys where they've got to get their head around that obligation to themselves to really do the work and, 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 and carry on. Cause it's like, there's always some new version of your life that you're going to morph into. Like the dude that you are today is not going to be the same guy that you're probably going to be in 10, 10, 15 years. Right. Like right. you might be on a different purpose. You might be on a different mission. I mean, in 2003, I got a package and I went home from the agency that I worked at and I started up my own business and my purpose then was, well, fuck these guys, you know, like I'm going to show them how it's done. Like I'm going to put a dent in the universe and help out these customers and, sh- you know, s- save them a shitload of money. But then I did that for about, you know, 15, 18 years or so. And I needed to do something new. And that's kind of what drew, you know, pushed me into YouTube. And it started out kind of interviewing guys in their success rides, like in their cars. And then after a while, I just sort of pivoted into something else and you just kind of find it. Like these things find you provided you're doing something. Uh, a buddy of mine um, says in the acts, in the absence of clarity, just do something like move. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yep. That that was when I was at my worst. Was when I, yeah, you're not doing nothing. Yeah, you got to do something. Like for me, I got into painting. I was doing a hobby and everything like that. But you know, it was just for me the hobby. The hobby wasn't enough, and um, I needed to be around people and 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 working and grinding. I'll tell you what got me out of anxiety, depression more than anything. Rich is, I, I, I follow you, man. You work out all the time, right? And to me, man, you go out there, you work out every day. I feel like if I don't work out, I don't feel right all day. And if I work out, I feel fucking unstoppable every day. And so get moving, you know, guys, get moving, uh, get strong. Don't be fat, man. You know, I, that's, that's, don't, you don't want to be overweight and out of shape. That's the first thing that makes you feel like shit. You're going to look yeah. in the mirror and the first thing you see in the morning is a guy that you don't even want to be. You know, you can't tell me guys like being large and in charge. I mean, just get in shape and eat right. 
No, there's yeah. no fat acceptance for men. You know, they tell women that you're beautiful at any size or weight, yeah. but um, that's not the same for men. I mean, no. women only want the top, you know, 20, 20 out of percent of guys they can get their hands on. And that doesn't include, um, you know, fat guys really, right? Unless they're absolutely fucking loaded. <laughs> Unless they got a bank. That's yeah. right. That's right. What do you think about all the conversations that we have in this um, men's community around, you know, concepts about the reality of the world around the red pill? Like, is this, is this shocking to you? Or are you kind of like, yeah, that's kind of makes sense. In what way? What do you mean? Um, well, uh, you know, when the student's ready, the teacher's going to show up at some point. So, mm -hmm. you know, when you start reading books like the rational mail or, or people start watching my videos or they hop into like a rule zero broadcast, um, the guys that aren't ready, like the white knight sort of dudes, right, they're going right. to swoop in and try to defend, you know, the honor of milady and all that sort of stuff. And there's other guys that, that, that are just like, Oh, I get it. Like, like that's what I did when I got into Rolo's book. Like I kind of started with Aaron Cleary with bachelor pad economics, mm -hmm. um, which is another good starting point for guys. And then somebody else recommended reading, um, rational male one. It was like after a couple chapters, I'm like, Oh, starting to make sense now, man. You just kind of keep going down that rabbit hole. But, um, you know, for some people, they're not ready for that information yet. Like, yeah. I'm just wondering how you take it all. Like when you have conversation, you know, with your friends, do you have conversations with your boys about stuff like this? Oh, absolutely. My boys are 11 and 9. And, and uh, I tell them all the time, guys, one day, you know, when you when you start dating, um, I got a rule. So... And, I, and I'm like, guys, whenever you see a beautiful woman, just remember, every other guy's calling her beautiful too, right? You don't have to, right? As a matter of fact, you kind of play the opposite. You got to be the prize, right? You're the guy. Let her chase you. If you, if you, give, if you give her a little standoffish she, and you become a little mysterious to her and not kiss her ass and put her on a pedestal, mm -hmm. trust me, every other guy is, that's not fun to her. She wants what she can't have. Be what she can't have. And they're like, really? And you can tell just from the young kid's standpoint. And I didn't believe that shit when I was younger. When I was in high school, I was like, ooh, I got to get her some wine. Let's go to Applebee's and some roses. I'll wine and, you know, wine and diner. And, and, uh, and then all of a sudden, I'm trying to – I never got another date with this girl. And then she's dating the high school uh, middle linebacker, right? I'm like, he's an asshole. Yeah. I, don't, I don't get it. He's such a dick. And I'm like, I'm trying to be the sweetheart, right? And that's what the world tells you that a woman wants. Yeah. And it's it's such bullshit. And then and then they'll scream and holler like we're all the real men at, but all the, the world is is knocking real men down on their ass 24-7 every day. So, you know, that's what I tell my boys. I mean, listen, the hotter they are, the more standoffish you are. And actually, if 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 they're ugly, you 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 want to be more nice to them, <laughs> right? I mean, you don't have to like be with them, just be nice to them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is um, San Diego a, a very like liberal sort of feminist city? Like I've not been to, I've been to LA a couple of times, but you know, I'm you know pretty much the same. Yeah, it's 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 fairly liberal. Yeah, but it's not as bad as uh, North North California is the cesspool. Uh, once you get up towards San Francisco, you know, I and mean, you go to Oregon and stuff like that, holy crap! But you get down uh, more more south, and if you go inland more, kind of inland more in, in California you're going to get a lot of conservatives. It's, it's really a red state once you get past the water more inland. Yeah, I've yeah. always noticed that like the large coastal cities tend to draw more of the red votes. And then mm -hmm. outside of that, they're more of the blue votes. It's even the same thing here too. Like when you look at the collection of the tallies at the end of a 
election cycle, whether it's provincial or national, it's it's pretty much the same thing, which is, I don't know, man, it's like really bizarre to me the way that the that the voting demographics work. It, it, it's hard to explain and I don't see it getting any better or um, it, like to any guy's advantage in the future. Like um, I feel sorry for men today. I feel yeah. I, I feel like they've they've got like they've signed up for something that they don't fully understand and their their belief system is leading them astray or into a direction that just just lets them down so badly you know what i mean mm -hmm. um you know it's why we kind of talk about the stuff that we do and the conversations that we have and the broadcasts that we do um yeah rulo saying in the chat san diego's hella hella tradcon um what do you think of tradcons actually uh, like the traditional conservative sort of approach to life. You know, I don't know, man. I, I'm not really into all that kind of talk, but you know, I, I feel like a lot of this stuff is just like common, common sense. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think the more you live, like how old are you, Rich? You're 40 something. 46. Yeah. I think once you turn 40, man, you've seen it all. And you've, and if you haven't figured it out by now, you're never going to fucking figure it out. Right. Um, as far as when, as far as women goes, right? Um, and you mentioned earlier about like men today are so confused, and it, you, it's it's one of these, it's a world going now. You don't even know how to be a man. A lot of people don't know how to be men. That's why I'm fighting so hard now to fight this like politically correct BS going on. And I've gone through that divorce machine as well. You know what I mean? And it's a it's a it's if you can't see this, it, totally against men. In your mind, most right? guys don't see it until they go through it. Like they oh, don't believe yeah, that it's, it's that the cards are stacked up against them. I mean, it's absolutely insanity. I had I had no idea what I was up against until I went through it. I remember I had a conversation with my lawyer when I was like, "Fuck this, I'm out." You know, I called him up and I'm like, "You know, what are the next steps? How do we get through this?" And he, you know, the first thing he said to me is like, "Look, before you try to go through this grinder, you know, he's like, try to make it work out because if you because if you have to go to family court." And you have the penis, you are going to lose. Mm -hmm. um, so that that was a big shock to me, dude. I was like, "What?" You're right. You know, I got a prenup. Um, you know, I was told everything's fair. Women have equal rights today. Me too. I had the same thing. Absolutely. You know, yeah. why? Like, why would I lose if I went to court? Right. Like, right. you know, just because I've got sausage, right? And she right. doesn't. Uh, like nobody gets it until they go through the grinder. Well, the one thing that gets me is in the divorce, right? If especially, you know, typically in the divorce, the guy's the one that has the most of the money. And, and in my situation, it was kind of the same thing. And, you know, well, I didn't realize this until I went through it. It's like, you have to pay her attorneys too. And I'm like, what the fuck? Wait yeah. a minute. I, I've got to pay her attorneys to fuck me. Yeah. How is that justice? You know, yeah. I mean, and that's why you got so many divorces nowadays, Rich. I'm telling you that, right? Because it's so easier to walk away. I blame so many things. Not really the women. I blame society. It's the self-help industry that screams, if he's not treating you good, you don't feel a connection, leave. There's something better, right? And yeah, they, you go, girl. Yeah, you go. You deserve better. And, and you know, back in the 20s, right? A woman was a woman. She wanted to nurture and be, be a stay-at-home mom and take care of the kids and was proud of her husband that went out and kicked ass to bring home the bacon for the family. And that was the opposite. So that's, that's, that's the feminine and the masculine, right? Mm -hmm. And now as you've gotten older, in, in today's, today's age, the men are basically turning feminine and the women are trying to empower themselves yeah. to become the masculine. And now it's a total cluster fucking confusion 
And now there's ra rampant divorce and it's just, marriages just can't last. And there's no reason for me, honestly, to really understand why a man would get married at this point with a lot of money, unless you have a rock hard prenup. And even that doesn't even save you. Yeah. Even that doesn't work too much long-term. Um, is it in the state of California after 10 years of marriage, you got lifetime alimony or does a prenup? No, no, no. My prenup, I think, I think it would have, if I didn't have a prenup. So mm. yeah, I got away with that. I only have to pay, uh, it was under 10 years, I believe something. Yeah. What would you do if your uh, boy said to you, dad, I met this girl and I want to marry her? Uh, well, I would say, yeah, great. Let's, yeah, let can, can dad meet her? <laughs> First of all, I want to meet her and see who she is. I, I'm not against marriage. I'm not, but I'm again, but I am definitely for protecting yourself, protecting yourself. Um, and I would definitely say, listen, get married. That's great. But make sure that she signs a prenup and make sure that that prenup is so rock solid that even if we migrate to Mars, that she can't sue you at Mars or take that away. It's got, it's got to be a universal prenup, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's just because there's states and different ways of going about it. If you're married in Australia, you bring it here, it's void. There's all kinds of fucking loopholes, right? So mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, you got to make sure that thing is locked tight. I mean, if you got married on the planet Earth anywhere, that she can't take a penny. Are you familiar life. with the concept of authority versus responsibility when it comes to marriage contracts? No. So, um, well, I mean, for the longest time, you pretty much had responsibility and authority over the family, right? So, I mean, you go back a few hundred years um, or even a few thousand years. I mean, this has been going on for a long, long time. If, um, you know, if there's a family issue that needed medical treatment, there was law enforcement, somebody committed a crime against you, uh, schooling, care of the elderly, basically all of that shit was the responsibility mm -hmm. of the head of the household. You had responsibility to the family, but at the same time, you also had the authority to execute on that responsibility that you had. But today's version of relationships, and especially marriage, you know, when you invite the state into your household, um, you still have 100% responsibility, but the authority has been stripped away from you in North America because the state then becomes the head of the household. Uh, they get to say and do, for the most part, you know, with some exceptions, if you've got a rock solid prenup or a postnup or you've structured your life in such a way that you start to mitigate or reduce the risk slightly. But um, it's basically taken away the authority from you as a man, but they hold you on the hook to full responsibility. Hmm. Yeah, I've never heard. Of, I've never heard of that. That's a lot of like. That sounds like a lot of college shit right there. That's yeah. That's a real long conversation. Like you can get <laughs> yeah. deep, deep in it. This is when the um, you know, this is when the MGTOW guys start uh, you know, talking about taking away you know the what the hell is it, you know women's rights or amending the nineteenth or whatever hell it's called. I don't know if you're familiar with that. No, not at all. You've not heard of these MGTOW guys? Oh, no. men going their own way. If you oh, want to go, okay. yeah, 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 I've heard that. Yeah, heard that. no, I just yeah. If you want to go down an interesting rabbit hole, just do like a quick YouTube or a Google search, and you'll see some see some bizarre, you know, dynamics. He, like what you did after your marriage was you basically went MGTOW. Like you went, you went your own way. Right. You, you know, you kind of did your own thing. You cut yourself off from women. You worked on yourself. You improved yourself, but then you yeah. went back into the. Uh, sexual marketplace like he went back to compete because you're yeah. a competitor to begin with right well yeah absolutely and here's the thing a lot of heat i'm getting nowadays is like i'm this misogynistic asshole and i hate women no that's fucking far from the <laughs> truth. you know I, I i love women i absolutely love women. i love real women i hate radical feminists yeah. right you know and and i'm <laughs> the fact that i'm a misogynist oh my god the, the funny thing was like 
um, I guess some of the tweets that I'll tweet, like even the one I was going to tell you earlier, you uh, that one you would show me that tweet you made um, with the top eight list of how to be a woman or what have you, whatever it was. I did. Yeah. Did you see mine? My top yeah, eight. Yeah, I did. <laughs> be yeah. hot. Be hot. Number one, a heart eight or above. Number yeah. two, be hot and funny. Number three, be hot. Don't say like or talk a lot. Number four, be hot and drink good tequila. Number five, be hot and don't wear panties. Number six, we split the bill after tip. Number seven, low job is mandatory, sex preferred. That's, yeah, yeah, that, this is being funny. This is my satire kind of shit. I mean, now some of this I do believe in, about four out of eight of them I do. But, you know, it's it's just to be funny, right? And I got so many, look at this misogynistic. Oh, yeah. 100%. Nobody you know, has a sense of humor. Talking about hating women, let me just show you this. So this is like a typical Wednesday for me. You're a cunt laugh my ass. Who hurt you? Why do you hate women so much? Why do you think that? So, so this is just a random like DM that I'll get from yeah. you know from some random feminazi because yeah. of something I said on Twitter or, or somewhere on social media. And it's like, you know, I'm not I'm not quite clear why they're confusing facts with hating women, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's a fact. Men like feminine women with yep. curves that are going to enter your frame and know how to cook a nice meal. I mean, it's kind of what we're drawn to, right? As men, it's kind of built into our DNA That's for right, yeah. the years, right? Mm-hmm. We're not going to change our mind just because Cosmopolitan puts a 400-pound <laughs> pre-diabetic land whale on their cover covered in tattoos all over the place and all of a sudden decide that that's going to be like the pinnacle of femininity and attraction and all of a sudden you know Miss Universe is going to change and they're going to have to reinforce the stage and like put all these giant land whales it's just not going to happen right you know what it it changed whenever Hooters got sued because of discrimination they couldn't hire a fat girl and that's when it all get out of here Hooters got sued for that that was like back in the Early 2000s, I think in Clearwater, Florida, that happened where I was in spring training. I don't know if that's uh, that that happened. Yeah, that's some lady, some, some big and came in there for a Hooters application, and she didn't get the job because she was too big and sued Hooters <laughs> and and, F, and won a little bit. I think they paid her off, right? Yeah, you can't up. do that anymore, man. I used to know this guy when I lived in uh, England that ran a nightclub, and his protocol for hiring uh, talent there, you know, the girls, was to get them to jump up and down. <laughs> see the see the jiggle yeah and if they look good enough jump up and down then he'd hire them but oh uh, you can't be doing that stuff anymore because you know uh dear god that's offensive but it's okay for women to objectify men um all day long mm-hmm. there's, um you know there's a separate standard of justice when it comes to that um rollo's asking in the chat here is huff dating today well yeah i mean i'm not i'm not serious with anybody no but i am dating are you in the spinning plate phase Pretty much. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. 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 That's, um, that's, well, an I, hope, exercise. I, hope no, I hope none of them watch this show though. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. No, it's, it's, it's good. Like it's a step that you got to go through. A lot of guys will do it after divorce where they'll, well, they'll kind of just, all right, let's go back in here and see what we got. And the mistake most make is they'll just lock down the first girl that kisses them sort of thing. Yeah, and all of a sudden he finds himself in an environment in three years where he's got this, you know, woman that he met that was a single mom with three kids from two different dads and he's paying to fix their lives too um and he's got you know, his own obligations as well listen, at the end of the day i want to you know i would love to have somebody special in my life at some point but i'm i'm not out there looking for it rich you know yeah. you know i feel like if you go out there and you're looking for it all the time you play the desperation card you're fucking dead 
You yeah, like that. And, and I'm, to be honest with you, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm thinking about my career right now, my boys. And I feel, you know, that's that's my number one priority. And the right woman will come along. If you keep your priorities straight and you're focused on you and bettering yourself, she'll be there. That's what it boils down to, man. It just it just boils down to making yourself your own mental point of origin and yep. chasing excellence. Uh, I think, do I have it on this mug? Uh, this is it here, man. This is my chase excellence, not women. Love it. Love it. Yeah, right? absolutely. By the way, guys, it's in the Teespring store and the merch. If it's down I gotta buy, I'm going to have to buy me one of those. Those are nice, dude. Yeah, man. There's a, there's a bunch of cool pieces. I actually threw on the shirt today just for you because I know that you're the king of toxic masculinity. I, <laughs> see that there. I love that. That's a fucking great T-shirt that I designed, right? That, that is. I love I love the medium. I love the way it fits on the shoulders, too. That's great shit. Yeah, it's, good. it's a good piece. I, wish, I want to show you my Twitter um, bio. I think you might have you seen it. You can actually it. share your screen if you want to. You know, pop it up there. Just at the bottom there, it says share screen. Oh, so yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so hit that and just pull it up in another window if you want. I don't know. Oh, well, whatever. I can't figure that out. Look at that, though. Um, there we go. I'll put your full screen. So there you go. Look at the bottom there and support toxic masculinity. Damn straight. <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay, there you go. Is I just have a kind? No, I mean, you know, if you're if you're out there beating your wife and shit, yeah, okay, a little much. But uh, you're you're talking about going and talking shit with the fellas at during the Super Bowl, having some keg beer, you know, let's have some fun and and have some you know uh, fun little jokes about the wife. Hey, that's nothing wrong with that. You know? Roll's got a question for you there about women trying to slide into your life. Are they? Yeah, you know, I've got. Uh, there's been. There's been some that instantly, like the ones, there's been like two or three that are like in the early 30s, right? That I've, that I've kind of liked over the last couple of years that I've dated. And it just so happens they're in the early 30s, never been married, no kids. And they really, 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 within the probably the first two or three dates, it would come up about, would you ever give me kids one day? You know? And I'm like, oh, being red flag. I'm like, fuck, man. And, and it was unfortunate because, you know, these, there's three of them. I liked all three of them. I would have saw myself maybe having something with them, but that just, if you're going to, I can't, I don't want no more kids. I'm done with that yeah. shit. You know, no more yeah. kids for me. And, and, uh, I, I basically tell everybody, listen, I, I'm not interested in getting married right now, maybe someday, but if that's, if you start bringing up kids date two or three, uh, uh man, I'm out. No shot. Yeah. They're at the epiphany phase. You, f you are familiar with that? Yeah. Yeah. I read a little bit about that. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's uh, book two, Rational Male. Yeah, they're like 29, 27, yeah. 28, 29, 30. Definitely after 30, they're at the epiphany phase where, you know, their body's yelling at them saying, going, hey, lady, where's the babies? Yeah, yeah. And they're panicking. And they, all their other friends have babies and families and husbands. And, yeah. and then their inability to plan all of a sudden gets thrown in your life as an emergency immediately. And yeah. they're looking for somebody to wife them up and, you know, stuff them full of babies. But uh, you got to be careful, man. I think... Um, you know, I think a lot of guys, when they kind of get their head around it and they get out there, you know, they start to realize you're in your 40s, you got your money right. You know, if you look good, if you got your health together, you know, if you don't have baby mama drama and you got a good relationship and your kids are solid and they're not pricks sort of thing, you're pretty much spoiled for choice. I mean, you're right at the top. You're at the 1%. I mean, you can, you can, you can do whatever the hell you want, right? I mean, um, your, your best ROI is usually going to be a, women under the epiphany phase because when you start to get into the women in their 30s or higher it's like you said earlier you know they bring a, a slew of interesting um red flags some of them bring an entire box of red flags with them yeah. 
Um, yeah. And those problems soon become your problems if you let it. Yeah. So it's really just enforcing boundaries. But I mean, even even saying that, even having that basic conversation between you and I right now, I guarantee there's going to be a comment from some crazy toxic leftist yeah. feminist, you know, tomorrow. How dare you? Do, you know, women are yeah. great. And, you know, why would you not take on these women just because of kids or because of uh, student debt or something like that? It's like, this is the world we live in today, yeah. ladies. You know, yeah. you guys want equality. You want to be... You know, you want everything the same. You want equal opportunity and all that. Um, we're not here to fix you anymore. Yeah. We're done because we don't have any authority anymore. That's, that's right. That's that's really what it boils down to. Like as a guy, you don't have any authority in a relationship. And even if you try to create some authority or have her in your frame, it's constantly going to be tested. Yeah, for sure. It's I, be tested. Yeah, I got to tell you, Rich, it's going to take, it'll take a very, very, very special lady to lock me down right now. And the, the way I am in my life right now, just... I'm solely focused on my, my little men growing them up in this crazy world and, and just continue grinding my life away and, and work in and, and push. And I love it. I love it when I'm, um, I'm kind of, I've always been kind of that loner rebel kind of guy, you know, and, and, uh, you're not going to tame me, baby. And it's got, you got to be one special lady. Um, how much more time you got before you got to run, Bo? Well, they're, they're, uh, got a text. This is 10 minutes ago. They're about probably five minutes away. So All right. you cool. got to get out here. All right. So let's wind it down. Um, I got Rolo that's mentioned in the chat a couple of times coming to Vegas. I don't know if you saw that. Ad yeah, I, I did see that. He's, he's invited me. Uh, what what month is that? Is that March? Um, April, April 18th. We're doing a live event for Rule Zero. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in Vegas. So just shoot us a, a DM for the specific details uh, yeah. because it's not a, a public event, but but we'll let you come in as a public dude just because we like you. Awesome, buddy. Thanks, man. That'd be a fun. I'm always looking for a chance to go to Vegas. We yeah. can find, find a really nice woman there for me. Yeah, well, we'll <laughs> what we'll do is we'll get you squared away. You know, we'll get your head on perfectly right so that, you know, as you leave that sort of event and that weekend with us, you're going to be able to approach life, um, you know, with a bit of an updated lens. Yeah. Um, uh, dude, I'm I'm glad you carved out some time to have a conversation with you, with me. I wish you all the best with the uh, the podcasting and everything you're doing doing go going forward. It's uh it's a great possession to be in to not to not have to worry about somebody cutting off your paycheck or firing you because of your opinions or what you want to say or do, and having the flexibility to broadcast some great ideas to younger generations and even have the opportunity to raise a couple of you know boys into some great men. Yeah, Rich, thanks for having me on the show, man. You're a good dude, buddy. Let's do it again yeah. sometime. Thanks, I'll see brother. You in Vegas. All right. Ending broadcast. Thanks for watching, guys. See you later.